God is good. God is good. Can I get an amen? Amen. All the time. God is good. Well, obviously, uh, John is not here this morning. And Caitlin did a great job of leading. Yes, she did. If you got your Bible with you this morning, uh, you can go ahead and open up to John chapter 10. And uh, before we get started, uh, we'll pray. God, we just come before you this morning. And I just want to thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Your word says that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. God, I just pray today through your word that you would reveal that to us. That is your plan for us. Thank you, God. Thank you that we have this word. Thank you, Jesus, that you came here as the word from the very beginning. I just pray you'd speak into our hearts this morning. We love you so much, God, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've been talking about uh, are you a believer or a disciple? That's what John spoke about last week. And he kind of went through the differences of what a believer is. He said, uh, even the devil believes. Because the devil's seen God. The third of the angels that left heaven, they believe. They've seen God. And John made the point that a believer and a disciple are different because a disciple follows after Jesus. And that's kind of where we want to pick up today uh, in John chapter 10. First, before we get there, though, I, I kind of want to open this up with uh, Matthew chapter 4. Because there's always this key phrase right there, the call of Jesus to his disciples is always follow me. And in Matthew 4, you don't have to turn there, you can stay in John 10. Jesus just simply says this, the very first message he preaches is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then two verses later, he finds Peter and Andrew and he says to them, hey, you guys follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's the call that he places on the first two disciples that he calls, follow me. So that's where we're going to start today. And I'll be honest with you, I just want to share a little bit, uh, a little bit of my story. Then when I felt that call from God, follow me, I was fired up. Anybody else in here fired up when they first felt that call, follow me? I mean, like, like you took a little stance, fired up. I was so fired up that I felt like I could go down to the dollar store and uh, buy some of those little water pistols, you know, the cheap ones. The ones that if you actually stick it in your pocket like a holster, then you're the one that gets wet. Nobody else does, right? I felt like I could take a couple of those little water pistols and just go straight to the gates of hell and just put it out with those two little water pistols. Fired up. Fired up. And then, then I got in this word and I got to Ephesians chapter 6. You can put Thor up there. I got to Ephesians chapter 6 and I found this guy. So I got fired up even more because now I've got a sword and a shield and a helmet and a breastplate and a belt and some boots. I'm ready to go. Then I dug further into this word. And I read the end of that passage. And yes, we are called to put on the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, all those things. Sword of the Spirit. We're called to equip ourselves with those things. But the end of that little passage says this, having done all, stand. Not fight. I mean, I was this guy, ready, two water pistols in hand, ready to go. Fight. But is that what God calls you to be? 
as a disciple. Is that what the word says? So let's look at John chapter 10. Move that around just a little bit. And we're going to start off right at the beginning. We're just going to kind of look at the context of where Jesus is at, what he's talking about. So let's start at just verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them out his own sheep, he goes before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. The they in this passage is religious people. They didn't understand what he was saying. So then let's look a little further. Let's go into our passage that we have here. Let's go on to say... Uh, Verse 25, I told you and you don't believe the works that I do in my father's names. They bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you. Now, if we look at this, verse 22, it actually says that this was at the time of the Feast of Dedication. These are two separate events in the same chapter. So the first part verse of chapter 10, he's speaking to them. Now, this is a later date. He's speaking the same thing again. He says, as I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So according to this passage, am I called to be a warrior? Put Thor back up there again, if you would, please. Am I, because that's what I picture in my brain is Thor. I couldn't find a good picture of Thor, so we get this guy. That's what I want to be, that guy mighty in battle. Some of you know I was in the United States Marine Corps. I relate with that guy right there. Instead, in this passage, this is Jesus talking. What does he call us? My sheep. Go ahead and put lamb chop up there. <laughs> Anybody here grow up on a farm? You know anything about sheep? Anybody? Am I the only one? We had sheep when I was growing up. Had lots of things, sheep, goats, cows, a few horses, geese, ducks, chickens, you name it, we had them all. We tried all of them to see which one would hit, cows finally hit, we stayed at cows, nothing else. Well, here's the thing about sheep. As uh, illustrated by Lamb Chop here, they don't really have any natural defenses. The sheep in this patch is they don't have horns, they don't... Uh, they don't really have, they do have kind of big teeth, but they don't really bite. Um, they're not very smart animals. I was thinking about this as we preparing for this. I remember one time we had this uh, one sheep, and God bless him, he, he just must have been the dumbest in the crowd because I was out kind of playing with him one day. I was probably eight or ten years old, and I was playing with this one sheep. And he was sitting there, and he ran at me, and I jumped out of the way, and he ran right into a tree and just <laughs> fell out. And so and I'm a kid, I'm seven or eight, I go running, crying to my dad because I killed the sheep. And I run to get my dad, we, he comes running back, down, what did you do, why did you do that? And I was like, I was just playing with him, and I jumped out of the way, and he hit the tree. And We get back down there, and he's asking me all kinds of questions, you know, is he bleeding? No, 
He was up, back up on his feet, kind of staggering around, knocked himself out. Sheep aren't that smart. This poor fellow here, do you see any helmet, any shield, any? And I can tell you, having been a sheep farmer, a sheep herder, whatever you want to call it, they have no way of defending themselves. They kind of huddle up in a flock, and that's it. They don't even run well. They get out of breath about like that. So as we read this passage, how about go back to that passage? John 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So we've established now we're, we're not really called to be warriors. Warriors that stand, yes. But in Jesus' eyes, we're called to be sheep. And I want to talk about this. They hear my voice and I know them. I want us to understand what that means and why Jesus used those words. And what are we supposed to do when we hear his voice? How do we hear his voice? Are we hearing some audible voice that the voice of God came to you? Or is it, as scripture says, a still, small voice that speaks right in your heart? And that happens when you open this word. So I want to share with you what happens when you open this word and God speaks into your heart. Big question we're going to ask today. Am I a sheep or am I a goat? Because there's a difference. Do we understand the difference? You know, they both kind of sound alike. They both bow. I'm not going to try to bow for you this morning, but they both sound similar. We also had goats too. We had several goats that found their way up on tops of the roofs of the sheds and out of the fence. We had this one that uh, lush grass right there in the pasture, but she always had to stick her head through the fence. And the difference, big difference between goats and sheep is most goats have horns. So when she'd stick her head through the fence, square's about that big, a cow fence, then when she went to come back out, she couldn't get out. So she'd just scream until you came pushed her horns down, pulled her back out. Then she'd look at you. She might headbutt you or run off, or then she might stick her head right back through the fence and eat the same grass again. Goats are not smart either. Similar to sheep. They are hard-headed. I agree with that. And listen, if you treat them wrong, you might get headbutted. That happened to me quite a few times. They know how to use their horns. So the question is today, are you the defenseless sheep or are you the goat that likes to butt people? Let's look at the word and see what Jesus has to say. Let's go to Matthew chapter 25. This is one of my favorite passages because people often ask, well, okay, I found Jesus. You tell me I'm not a mighty warrior in battle. What in the world am I supposed to do now? And if you ever wonder what we're supposed to do as disciples, Jesus has laid it out. You could, if you have a question, what am I supposed to do? So let's put in about uh, verse 31. When the Son of Man, this is uh, Matthew chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. And all the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Colon. 
And I want us this morning to really understand punctuation. You guys know that I teach school as well. It's a big deal for me, but I want us to understand punctuation. There's a colon right there. So he says, come you blessed of my father. He's talking to the sheep. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world because. That's why that colon is there. Because. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you gave, you took me, Jesus, in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison? And come to you, and the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison? And we didn't minister to you. And then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, the righteous into eternal life. To me, that's a very powerful passage. Because a lot of times we walk around and say, well, I don't really know what God wants me to do. If you've ever asked that question, I'm not sure where I'm supposed to be or how I'm supposed to, to glorify God. He's laid it out right there. Feed the hungry. Give water to the thirsty, take in the stranger, clothe the naked, visit the sick, come to those in prison. Do you see a commonality there? I I see a few common things there. Not once in that statement he said, give me your money. Now those things take money. You got to have money to buy food. Give people water, take in a stranger, clothe the naked. But he's asking us to personally help people. Now, I know that, listen, and I also know that some of you in here are older or ladies. And maybe, you know, if you pull up somewhere and somebody's like, I'm hungry. Can can you give me food? I understand being scared. I understand that. And that's why we have partners in faith that come along with us. And we get on our cell phone because most of us have one. And we say, hey, I'm down here and this person's hungry. I'm scared to death to buy them a meal. Can you meet me down here? Can you just take five minutes? Call your, your, your son, daughter, anybody, best friend. Because I have people, listen, I, I go out all the time and work out in the community. I have people come to me at gas stations. Hey, I'm, I'm hungry. Would, you got any money you could give me? That's the, that's the most thing I get asked. You got any money you can give me? Sometimes come down to the Biscuitville. You got any money you could give me? And my response is always the same. I don't have any money I can give you. Because in my heart, I know they might use that for something else. But if you're hungry, I'll feed you. What do you need? Tell me what you need. Let's take care of that. 
Jesus is very specific. A lot of times, even in my own heart, I struggle with these things. These things right here will make you get out of your comfort zone. You'll have to get down among people. And they may be uh, what we would call unsavory people. But if we look in this word, if we look in this word, who did Jesus minister to? To the weak, the downtrodden, the people that the religious people of his day turned their back on. How about we turn over to Matthew chapter 6? And if we're wondering, you know, man, well, I know we're supposed to do this. Where can I do that? Listen, Allied Churches is right down the street. They always need people. And I know we do work from here, there. I know that we do. The odds thing that we're going to do, we're going to feed a whole lot of people by doing that. It always amazes me. Uh, it almost makes me think of last year when we were doing that, I almost thought of uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000 because this little bitty thing that we prepared is going to feed so many people. Matthew chapter 6. I just want to touch on this right quick. Um, because when we do these things, when we feed the hungry, when we give drink to the thirsty, we clothe the naked, we don't do it for our benefit, we do it to glorify God. I want to read this with you right quick. Matthew 6, uh, verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a good deed, a charitable, charitable deed, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their own reward. But when you do a good deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your Father sees in secret will himself reward you openly. I can't tell you how many times. If you know me well, you know that I hit up the Biscuitville pretty regularly. It shows as well. I can't tell you how many times I've sat over the Biscuitville with the Bible open or my devotion open, just being quiet before God early in the morning. And somebody walk in and see that and say, uh, hey, can you, uh, can you buy me a biscuit? Or I'm hungry. I can't tell you how many times that I've thought about how much money was in my wallet at that moment? And then something goes off. Man, you need that money for something else. You, you need that for gas. You need that for this. You need that for that. And that's my flesh. That's my flesh saying, you've got to provide for yourself. What are you going to do if you run out of money? And then I hear that small voice saying, son, I already own all the money. How about you just take care of this person right now? And that's called being sensitive to the spirit because my flesh was saying, no, don't do that. Don't waste your money. The spirit was saying, feed this person. Well, will you trust me? That's the bigger step right there. Will you trust me? Do you have enough faith to say that I already own all the money? God already owns all the money and he's going to take care of me. Would you trust me? Because he that sees in secret, he rewards open. I want you to see this right quick. Loving people and doing these good deeds is for God's glory, not ours. And listen, when we do big deeds, 
I'll be the first to admit, the first thing I wanted to say. There he is. Yes, sir. And if we're living a life that is supposed to glorify God and point everything to him, then Thor takes the back seat and Lamb Chop comes out. Yay, God. I was reading a uh, book one time uh, by a guy named David Platt. He's a well-known author and pastor. And uh, he was making this illustration about, and I actually think the, the title of that book is Follow Me. And he's making this illustration of what happens when we truly follow Jesus. Where, our, where is our attention focused? And he was talking about this, uh, just I guess like a little pamphlet that uh, you know, the denomination that he belongs to sends out every month. And on the front page, uh, this church, prominent church in the community had just built a brand new church. And they were so proud of it. And so they've got a big picture of it. And then, you know, three-fourths of a page of, man, look how great this church is. It's got columns and, you know, it's got like a four-person baptismal in it and, you know, the vestibule is perfect and we bought these leather couches and granite countertops and huge, you know, Roman columns out front and it's magical. And we spent $27.5 million on it. It's magical. I think he said they might even put a pipe organ in it. Not that I'm against pipe organs, but they're expensive. And then on the little bitty edge on the side, the same church said, we gave this year alone, we gave $5,000 to the hungry people in the Sudan. Put a gold star on our chest. Look what we did. And when I read that, it just broke my heart. We have to have places to meet, understand that. But how much, how many people could you feed with $27 million? How many thirsty people could you give water? How many naked people could you clothe? How many sick people could you go visit? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And here, listen, I, I want you to see this. I warned about sharing it with you, but I'm going to share it with you this morning because we got to make a decision this morning. Goats are ornery. They're mean. They don't like people. Sheep love people. Listen, you bring a bucket out to it. It doesn't have to have anything in it. You bring a bucket out to a sheep, they love you. And the reason that it's so important that we understand this, the difference between a goat and a sheep this morning is this. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this. Nobody else, just Jesus. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's just stop right there and grasp the depth of that. Not everybody who says to me, Jesus, you are Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father. Well, what's the will of the Father? What's the commonality? Kevin, can you put those things back up there? Feed the hunger, feed the hungry. What's the commonality in those things? You won't feed somebody or give them water or take them in or clothe them or visit them or come to them and go out of your way unless you love them. 
There's only real two reasons for doing that. Either you want the gold medal or you love them. That's the call of God in our hearts, to love him with all our hearts, to love people just as we love ourselves. So when we look at this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders and signs in your name? They did all the things. They expressed the gifts that God has given. And then Jesus will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Would we all agree that, uh, that Peter was a disciple? We'd all agree with that. Peter's a disciple. He was a sheep. Sometimes he wanted to be the warrior. You know, in the garden when he... Uh, I always believe this. Time out. This is opinion, okay? I, I want to express this as opinion. I just think when he cut the guy's ear off, I think he was trying to take his head off. I really do. He's a fisherman, a sailor. I, I just don't think you cut a man's ear off. I think he missed. And what I would say is in that moment, the question that I would ask you is, do you think... That he loved Jesus. Okay, I agree with that. So let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 26. So right after the... Uh, right after the passage where Jesus expresses what the sheep and the goats are. Very next chapter. So we understand the timeline here is very close to each other. Well, we'll just get them all. The timeline's very close in Matthew 26. And we're going to put in at about, uh, let's put in about verse 69. Now we disagreed that Peter is a disciple. He chose to follow Jesus and he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus so much that he was willing to try to kill this man to protect him. And in verse 69 we see, now Peter sat outside in the courtyard. Now listen, we, we need to pause right there. We need to know what's going on before we start this. Verse 67, they spat on Jesus' face and they beat him. And other people struck him with the palms of their hands saying, prophesy to us, Jesus, or Christ, who is the one who struck you? So we understand what's going on. Jesus has already been arrested. He's already been taken. Verse 69, Peter sat outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But Peter denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with an oath this time. I do not know the man! Exclamation point. I do not know the man. He's fired up about it now proclaiming it with an oath. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are also one of them, for your speech betrays you. You understand what that means, for your speech betrays you? Do you understand that uh, in, in Bible times, Galilee, they kind of had their own dialect. It's kind of like uh, people in the mountains that say Ewans. We don't say Ewans here. But Ewans would say Ewans if Ewans wanted some tay. 
And Ewan's was from Boone. <laughs> Instead, we might say, y'all. If you were from up north, you might say, you guys. Or yous, yous guys. <laughs> so they knew where Peter was from. And he's in Jerusalem, a long ways away from Galilee. They knew who he was. Your speech betrays you, verse 74. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And then the rooster crowed. So that exclamation point is there for a reason. Don't ever overread. When you read it, know the context. Know what's being said. Those, that's there for us to know. How did they say this? Well, he just yelled it out. Second time with an exclamation point. And immediately a rooster crowed and Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, before that rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and he wept bitterly. You remember when Jesus accused him of that? He said, hey, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. What did he say? Oh no, oh no. I'll go to death before that happens. And when they come to get you, I'm going to try to lop that man's head off. Or just cut his ear off, however you want to be it. This guy. Mighty. Mighty in battle. Mm. And I know this is in here to share with us. If that's where our heart is at, we might be stuck in pride. Because when the hard time comes, we'll be just like Peter. I don't know that man. I do not know that man. But, and I'm always grateful, Jesus says, therefore, or because, or but. Let's turn to John 21. Anybody would agree with me that Peter's probably the greatest disciple in the, in the whole Bible? I mean, we're talking about Peter, the man that walked on water, went down to the shore, all right, pulled up a fish, put in a catch that was so great they couldn't receive it. Had he seen Jesus do crazy things? Say to the waters, peace be still, and it was. All of these things Peter did, and still, yet still, he denies Jesus. And this is literally one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. John chapter 21. Let's put in at verse 14. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So we understand the context. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? I love how he addresses him right there. He doesn't say, hey, Peter. He doesn't say Cephas. He says, Simon, son of Jonah. That's his proper name. That would be like Mr. Aaron Moam. Do you love me more than these? That's, that's a rhetorical question. He uses his full name. 
not just his common name, not just the name they all know him by. He uses his full name, addresses him directly. You, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Simon says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him, okay, feed my lambs. Well, now we're back to the sheep. Feed my lambs. What does that mean? Do we understand what's happening in this passage? That Jesus is establishing how he wants pastors to lead a church. Because he said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. That's Peter. Feed my lambs. That means feed the youngest ones. The ones who can't even feed themselves. The ones who don't know which way to go. They don't know what to do. Feed them. Feed my lambs. And then Jesus says to him again, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus said to him, all right, tend my sheep. Well, what does it mean to tend sheep? Having been in the sheep business before when I was a kid, they can't feed themselves hardly. They grow hair, lots of it. They need shearing. They don't shed, at least not well. They have hoof problems. You got to clean their hooves and clip them. You got to bob their tails. You got to do all kinds of things to keep sheep healthy, just to keep them alive. And so when Jesus says to Peter, tend my sheep, that means I want you to take care of them. See what the problems are. See who's hungry. See who's thirsty. See who's stuck in prison. See who needs healing. See who's naked and needs clothing. All these things. Tend my sheep. And then he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said, all right, feed my sheep. Now, sometimes, the first time I ever read that, I thought, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. There seems to be a redundancy there. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And there's no redundancy there. Feed my lambs is those small, young in faith just came to Jesus, ready to get those little water pistols and let's go put hell out. Let's do it. Ready to go, mighty in battle. But also called to feed my sheep. Those who have read this passage, John chapter 10, and figured out my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 18 of John 21, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. And when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And this Jesus spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when Jesus had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. Anybody think it's strange that Jesus gave him three commands? He asked him three times, do you love me? How many times did he deny him? He said, I don't know the man. Three different times. And what does Jesus do? He gives him the opportunity. Do you love me? And of course, Peter says, yes, 
You know everything. You know I love you. And when we mess up, and we get in our own flesh and pride and we miss it, and we deny Jesus because we went off to do our own thing, what does Jesus do? Just like Peter, he comes right back to us and he says, do you love me? You love me more than these do? That's who Jesus is. So when we read that, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. I know them. Jesus knows them. And they hear my voice. They follow me. Let's put that up one more time. I want, I want to express why I put those letters in red. My sheep. Personal pronouns. Let's take those my, the, the, the red letters out. And let's put in the word Jesus. Jesus' sheep hear Jesus' voice. And you know what? Jesus knows them and they follow Jesus. In this passage in John 21, Jesus says at the end, follow me. I don't think that it's any coincidence that right before that he says, when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you don't wish. And this Jesus spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. We always say, I pray it often. Because here's the thing, we often pray that. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And being the hands and feet of Jesus means feeding the hungry and, and giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked. That's what it means. But listen, if you want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, you need to remember where his hands and his feet went. They went up onto a cross. And if you want to be his hands and feet, that's probably where you're going to have to go to. It's a beautiful promise that comes out of that. It's Nathan read Psalm 22 this morning. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You might know that passage. Jesus said that on the cross. And I don't think it's any coincidence that he read that this morning. Because we're going to end in the book of Psalms. Chapter 23, if you want to turn there with me, you're welcome to. Because if we are wanting to be the hands and feet of Jesus and we want him to be the great shepherd that he declares that he is in John chapter 10 then we need to own this passage of scripture we need to embrace the promise of God that even if we are crucified for his sake this is his promise the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
as Nathan read earlier, right before this, the psalmist enumerates how Jesus will die. What he will even say when he dies. Oftentimes we ourselves feel like that passage that we read, we're the ones who need healing. We're the sick that needs somebody to come visit us. We're the hungry, we're the thirsty. Here is the promise of God that he will lead you beside still waters. He will put you in a green pasture. He will restore your soul. And even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what can death do to me? See, it makes the pride of me want to well up. But the humble sheep inside of me knows I don't have to be afraid. Because if I'm taken out of this world, I get to see Jesus face to face. How differently would you live your life if you lived it that way? That when life ends, it didn't really end. It actually just began for eternity with Jesus. And with that in mind, now I'm fired up not to go fight some battle, but to share that with people. That this is the eternal promise of God. And that you can know him here. We don't have to wait to heaven because his word says, my sheep hear my voice right here and now. And I know them, not I will know them. I know them now. And they follow me.